Hi, my name is Mary Spender, and you are listening to Tuesday, 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 Tuesday Talks. It is the second episode of Tuesday Talks. Thank you so much for all your lovely feedback from the first episode. I really, really appreciate it. I was so nervous, and everyone made it to the end. So thank you for sending me those messages. Really, really, um, really, really, just massive thank you. Um, okay, in this episode, I want to very casually, very lightly talk about Long Island City because it is out in the world. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, you might have seen the music video uh, shot in Long Island City in New York. And yeah, this has been a long time coming. So what I thought I'd do is just talk you through the journey of the song. Um, I must have written it in 2009. I went, I took a gap year in between school and university, mainly because, um, I don't think I've ever said this, I flunked one of my A-levels. I I mean flunked, I, I missed a grade um, by a few marks. And uh, I, God, I was doing, what was I doing? I was doing music, like classical music. I was doing English literature and I was doing history of art and I needed two A's and a B for anyone out of the English schooling system, um, apologies if none of this makes sense, but basically obviously A is the, was the top mark, they've changed it all now, but A was the top mark, uh, obviously I needed two A's and a B and I needed uh, at least an A in music. Luckily music was good, I got an A, even though all my school teachers thought I would fail because <laughs> uh, I was playing too many gigs. Um, I got an A in history of art, which was kind of ex unexpected, but I really did enjoy that subject. And then I got a C in English literature. Um, I missed, I just, I just messed up a paper uh, exam uh, on Hamlet, I think, and possibly Chaucer. <laughs> uh, I think this paper, it was just, it was just difficult and I just didn't study hard enough and I got a C and so I missed out on going to Bristol University the first time round. And then um, I took a gap year and decided that I needed to get a job because, uh, yeah, and I got many jobs and I worked pretty much the whole year, um, learned the lesson of earning money and just spending it immediately. Um, and I did spend some time in London with uh, one of my best friends and just played as many open mics as I possibly could over that year. But at the end of it, luckily, I saved enough money to travel to uh, the USA, to New York. And I really just wanted, I wanted a week in LA with one of my friends and then I wanted to stay in New York City for a little bit longer, maybe like three, four weeks, uh, just before going to university. And I, like, this was 2009, so internet wasn't really a thing. Well, you definitely didn't have internet on your phone. Um, I was pretty much alone. <laughs> I didn't know anyone out there. Uh, my mum and her friend were out f for like a weekend or something. And uh, I did have a friend come and stay with me for maybe a week or two. Uh, but otherwise I was alone and I was staying in my uncle's old apartment. One of my uncles used to live in uh, just outside of Manhattan in um, Long Island City. And yeah, I wrote this song, but actually I will admit that my mum, 
um, who also loved this area of NYC, uh, wrote some of the lyrics to the song. Um, she came up with the concept of... Uh, I don't know if she wrote the chorus. Maybe she did. Oh my God, she's going to hate me if she hears this. She'll be like, I wrote all the all the song. And I'm like, no, you didn't, because I definitely remember reworking it. But she uh, is a bit of a poet. Every so, every so often she will write... Um, when she's not being a palliative care nurse. Uh, and yeah, she uh, wrote these lyrics and it really inspired the song. And obviously it's heavily inspired by country music. And um, I just learned to fingerstyle like John Mayer. So I was doing that percussive element. And yeah, there's definitely, now I listen to it, I'm like, oh my God, I was just trying to learn Stop This Train, wasn't I? But I couldn't play Stop This Train. So I wrote my own song. Um, and it's in standard tuning and it just, yeah, I had the riff for possibly a few years before that, but didn't really know how to work it and then wrote this song and it took me maybe three years to actually sit down and record it. And the first thing I'm going to play is I'm going to play you the, the track that is now out in the world um, just for your podcasting ears and that's the benefit of having this medium I can play some music at the same time especially when it's my own I won't get done for copyright because I give myself permission um but I'll play you the official recording which was actually done in 2016 maybe 2015 and uh, I'm just re-releasing because of the music video and as I've said before I'm happy with the mix um it was of a certain time and my songs that I'm working on now are just maybe a different level but uh, I will play you the original and then straight afterwards I am going to play the track that I made at university um, engineered and produced myself in Bristol University studios in the basement and I was just learning how to engineer and work with musicians and um, I got uh, my friend a wine uh, to play drums on it who was my flatmate and he was studying neuroscience so yeah and I was even using I was experimenting with plugins so you'll hear the opening it's really strange there's a vinyl crackle um, but I will stop talking and enjoy listening back to back to two versions of Long Island City one that is out now and one that is just for your podcasting ears um, enjoy to do a load of laundry But I'll see you later If you'll come and see me Can't hear you call me in the laundromat Where the hip-hop proprietor presides And Corley clients say Excuse me, my brother as they open the dryers
version uh, recorded in 2012 um, released on an EP called The Eclectic EP released in 2013 and it, I meant to say it was actually um, mixed um, I took the stems to someone else uh, because my mix was terrible uh, so this was produced by Gareth Henderson I think who has now moved to Oz Australia and um yeah, this was remixed in Southampton, maybe around the same time, maybe 2013. So here's the older version of Long Island City. See you. 
forget where the hip-hop proprietor presides And Corley Klein say, excuse me, my brother As they open the drives Long Island City, oh, well, I see Where the yellow cabs come home to sleep One stop from Midtown, I've missed you lately Jump on the subway and come distant sound of the subway I'll keep waiting for you here in Queens 23rd Street Neely I need you here with me cause I'm lonely in Long Island City Long Island City If you message me and you say you prefer that second version, um, maybe don't message me because there are so many things I actually love about their recording and I kind of wish I'd listened to it uh, when re-recording it. Um, but 
anyway, now you have heard both versions. There are differences, aren't there? Like it's it's kind of crazy. Like that's the evolution of songwriting and recording and where I want to go as an artist. And I remember the sort of space I was in uh, when I was just finishing up university. Apologies if you can hear the building work in the background. Um, yeah, the space I was in when I finished university, I hadn't gigged much in my final year because I just knew I had to actually sit down and get a degree. And I really struggled um, academically at Bristol Uni. It was uh, it was a tough course. My um, passion for classical music was uh, slowly dying away. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be my career. And I also knew that my degree wasn't going to just like hand me anything when I finished it. So my whole idea for the concept of the EP that I had to sit and produce for, I think it was actually quite a small portion of my final year. I think it was like 20 credits and you had to get 120 in total. So it was a yeah small amount, but I remember spending the most time in that studio, booking out studio sessions all the time um, and just sitting down there and just trying to figure things out. And I recorded the Eclectic EP, uh, it was four tracks, which if I look at my old iTunes, I can tell you, um, uh, Spire was the first one, uh, which I still play. Ignite uh, was a second song of the EP that was just a cappella. Um, Long Island City and then Cafe Vivaldi. Ignite is the only one that I haven't ever performed live, um, but some lovely people spoke about it on I saw on my social media. They were talking about Ignite after hearing another of my one of my songs, which I do want to do in harmony. Um, and yeah, they brought it up. So thanks to everyone that's actually found that recording. It won a songwriting competition in 2012, uh, which I thought was going to launch my career. Um, so anyway, basically the idea was that it was eclectic. I was showcasing different genres. So I started off with an acoustic track, then a cappella, then kind of like a country track, and then kind of like a rocky jazz track. Like there's a saxophone solo on the original version of Cafe Vivaldi, which one day I will play you. But I hadn't gigged much, um, was trying to figure things out. The internet was kind of starting to be good to me. A uh, very, very small following on Facebook, but I was really, really learning about social media. Obviously, it still took me a good five years before anything really happened on that, but it was... Oh God, this building work. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm proud of this version. I'm proud of um, what I learned by doing it. Uh, it was the original version. Well, no, Logic Pro wasn't Logic Pro 10 then, I think it was Logic Pro 9 that I kind of learned everything on. I still remember the the look of it and um, being on the big Apple computers and it was just really fun and my voice sounds so different and it's my sort of like melody, my vocal line is really elongated in the second version and yeah, I think I definitely tidied up the song and definitely um, the first version I think is uh, instrumentally more interesting because uh, my friend Rob who played drums on it also plays a gorgeous grand piano part um, and then Jake Bright uh, who produced the song um, plays bass and slide guitar so the second version was I must I must have played everything I think I did end up borrowing a bass 
I'm just trying to like think who I got in the studio to help me out, you know, way back when you just could ask your friends who were just hanging out in the studios just to come and sit in. Um, I think I even had my Fender Strat then, which I got when I was 21. Um, I don't have it anymore. It was a Mexican Arctic white Fender Strat. And the drums sound to me like we might have looped them in the end. Sorry about that train going past too. Um, I think the drum sound looped. And yeah, I, you know, it is what it was. And I really love that sort of like bubbly sound. I can't remember the name of the plugin, but when I put my guitar part through that, I was like, what is this? What can I do? There are just endless, endless opportunities. And then I remember getting the vinyl sample and, you know, trying to be all edgy with that crackle. By the second version, I do mean the first version. <laughs> I just realised how complicated that might sound. In my head, I think I I thought, until listening to both of these versions, I had rewritten the the chorus. Um, I think the original version, I, I didn't talk about uh, being one stop from Midtown, but maybe that was just the writing process and I'm just getting confused about it. But I'm very proud of the lyrics and yeah, like massive thanks to my mum for writing them we always meant to uh write more songs together and this is the only one that we've actually done um and by writing together i was a complete control freak took the lyrics off her uh made a storyline out of it and um yeah created this song which she loves and you know she did hand over all uh royalties to me you know very kindly although don't worry i will pay her back if this ever uh, ever does well and I start being you know multi-millionaire a girl can dream um I'll make sure that my mother is looked after um so yeah the lyrics I'm I love them I love how uh I don't want to like I don't want to spoil it and I you know everyone can think whatever they think about the song and what it means to them but I love the it's never there's no ending but there kind of is an ending, like I'm kind of just stood up. And that leads me on to the music video, which I had so much fun making. Um, and I, in one mind, when it comes to music videos, I sort of think, oh, you can, you know, it's endless possibility with that three, three and a half minutes of video. What can you do? Do you, do you sit and do you literally storyboard it as though you're telling the story of the lyrics or do you, um, do you show it in a, in a different light? Could I have been anywhere but in New York City filming this video? To me, no, I couldn't have been. So that's why it took me so long to make it because I had to get back there. And I think I tried to film something in September when I was there, um, but it was so hot and I didn't have much time and I hadn't really thought it through. And I'm really glad I waited till being there this time. And yeah, I... Definitely shot some B-roll in September. I think quite a lot of the daylight stuff. Um, I have just rewatched the music video to make sure that I <laughs> remember even what I did. But the the B-roll um, during the day uh, in that area was shot on a on a morning. And I think looking back at it when I was like trying to make the first version of the music video, I realised that I really wanted it to be at night time, uh, so that you're like you know sort of like 
goes in tonight from day to night and the the journey um and yeah I think I was well I was staying with Adam Neely uh in April he very kindly put me up on his couch and um we went and shot this and I just said to him I was like look I don't really know what I'm doing and I just kind of have this storyboard in mind of kind of the shots that I want would would you would you hold the camera because I also can't like put the camera outside on a tripod and then go and sit inside for an hour and get the time lapses that I want without someone <laughs> looking after the camera um and also like making sure it's in focus and that sort of stuff and he very kindly like all the all the handheld uh 50 mil shots of me in like when I'm in Court Square Diner uh those are filmed by Adam Neely so go and subscribe to Adam's YouTube channel because he really really helped out with this music video um but yeah, the Court Square Diner too, like everyone there, God, I love that place. And it's not even like, you know, it's, it's a, it's an amazing diner and they, they're open 24 seven and the people behind uh, the bar and um, the waiters and waitresses, like they are so hardworking and they just let us sit in there and film. And it was funny when I was editing the footage, I realized that I could potentially look like an alcoholic in this video because I just kept sipping the beer and I kept being like all moody and frustrated and um you know acting being an actor and yeah they they actually uh, the Sam Adams was really nice I think it was like my first ever time of having that beer and um they only had two so we had dinner there and then like started filming so that we didn't just look like we were just taking advantage like we did actually get served and uh, pay our bill and then we started filming um but they ran out of that beer and I was like well I can't have a different bottle uh I'll just top it up with water so that I look like I'm drinking so most of the shots uh when I am taking a sip it's water I promise and then I got worried about like continuity so I was just taking like tiny tiny sips every time so yeah there we go there's my justification of not looking like an absolute alcoholic but I love I love some of the shots that Adam got because I put the camera in uh, 50 frames so that I could slow-mo it all um, and also because like I was using we were using an 80d Canon which is my vlogging camera I mean it's my only camera um, and the 50 mil honestly like that tiny lens looks so good but I put it in 50 frames and so everything when you're actually holding the camera looks really, really shaky. But when it when it's slowed down in um, post-production, it looks great. And I stabilized quite a lot of the footage too. But uh, I actually put it in 720, which for anyone that knows video, like 720, uh, well, even if you don't know video, it's just like, it's just low quality. And I was so devastated when I realized that because we've been shooting all evening like we'd got these amazing shots and obviously like Adam's time is pretty valuable and he was busy working and you know I was just I was just doing my own thing in New York City that trip so I was just so grateful to him for helping me and then I realized when I got back I was like oh no it's all really low quality what have I done however luckily I I blew it up and um yeah I think you can't even tell and I graded it so it's all quite blue I think but kind of not like yeah I just I tried to keep it all the same because like obviously when you're dealing with so many different forms of lighting and then 
and then some of the b-roll was obviously shot on a different lens and and, you know daylight tonight is very different and then um dealing with some of the time-lapse footage on the bridge and um yeah there's just there's quite a lot to think about and I'm not the best editor and I'm not the best color grader I'm just figuring stuff out as I go and but I'm I'm really proud of how this worked out and thank god for the 50 mil thank god for the Canon 80D being not too bad in terms of quality so that even when it was low res I could blow it up and it's not grainy and it's not too bad and yeah I really hope you like the music video thank you very much if you have listened to it on spotify i appreciate you if you've bought it on itunes or bandcamp or if you actually have the the taking shape ep which has been available for a really long time physically on my website i also appreciate you and i know that you already have this recording so um yeah but share it with your friends obviously and give the video a thumbs up on youtube and do you know what? Comment below, because if you're getting to this point of the podcast, then I think I'm going to keep this up just while it's in the early stages and I'm figuring out who's actually listening. I want you to type um, under either any of my social media or under the music video of Long Island City, uh, type uh, I'm lonely in Long Island City. And then that'll be our little code, code word, a related code sentence, I guess. I'm lonely in Long Island City. Um, or maybe we could make it positive. You can choose. I am lonely in Long Island City or I am not lonely in Long Island City. And then that will be code to me. So cool. Right. Now I'm going to do something which I uh, asked for uh, at the end of the last, the first podcast. And that is a question from one of you guys. So if you haven't, um, and you have a question for me and you are willing to record yourself talking so that I can actually hear you and so you can expand on bigger ideas and everything, please send your voice memos to maryspenderpodcast at gmail.com. That is working and I've had my first one. So here is my first question. Hey, Mary, Alaya here. As I'm reflecting... Um on some rehearsals I've had for the past couple of weeks for an event coming up, I can't help but think about stage fright and, um, you know, how I've kind of learned to deal with that the past couple of years. I've only ever performed with a band um, on stage, so I've been pretty comfortable, um, you know, when it comes to dealing with stage fright. Um, but I'm sure being a solo artist is kind of a whole different ball game. You don't have other musicians to rely on or cover up your mistakes. So I'm just kind of curious how you've dealt with that. Um, you know, how do you make a connection with the crowd and still maintain a certain level of comfort um, and give the best performance that you can give? Um, so love your music obviously i'm super excited for this podcast and keep it up well thank you very very much i'm honored that you are the first person to ask a question because um i was very very excited to meet Elia um in chicago in march and i've seen her instagram account i will um, I'm going to give a shout out to your Instagram account because it's great. She does these beautiful drawings. So Alaya Franson uh, underscore art. 
um, go and check her out. But uh, okay, so stage fright. Oh, okay. I'm going to go way back initially just to make sure I get this answer correct for you. Um, when I was 15, I did my first big show. I think I'd done a few little gigs with my heavy metal rock band. Yes, I was in a heavy metal rock band. And I remember thinking that going on stage was going to hurt me. Like, actually, like, I think that's what stage fright is, isn't it? It's you are, you think it's going to hurt. And then you walk out and for this particular gig, it was in Salisbury City Hall, which was massive. And it was a local musician. It was a, a thing called Salisbury Area Young Musicians, where like all the orchestras, everyone who met up on a Saturday morning, part of this initiative to get kids playing music, uh, would perform at this event. They put on a big concert for all the parents. And so there were like hundreds of people there because there was uh, the orchestra, all the different levels. So like the babies and then the teenagers. And then there were uh, there was a jazz band and then there was like a concert band. And then um, me and uh, I um, and some friends got to, we, we'd been put together. God, how do I describe this? We'd been put together through this thing called rock school. And it happened at 9am on a Saturday morning and it took me a few years to persuade my parents to actually let me do it because I was playing in an orchestra on Saturday mornings and I really just wanted to be in the rock school because I kept seeing all the boys, like there weren't any girls in this thing um, and I just really wanted to be the first woman, girl, I was a girl, I was a teenager, first girl in rock school and I really wanted to play this gig because every year I'd see the rock band get up and play and I was just so envious I was green with envy and that's a good sign that you know you want to do something but I was also terrified because playing music uh playing in a band you know I think sometimes playing with a band can add to the stage fright because you have to make sure that everyone does know what they're doing and especially when you're in uh you know, teenager bands when you aren't playing. Now it's very different. I'm playing with professional musicians and obviously I'm pretty much the one who's probably going to make a mistake, um, despite it being my own song. But back then I was a bit nervous about everyone else. And we walked out on stage and I think we were opening with Time Is Running Out by Muse. Like I still to this day want to be Matt Bellamy and uh, age 15, there I was playing Muse with this band and we started the song and my poor guitarist, Luke, who, do you know what, was playing a SE PRS, you know, guitar and I am just like putting that all into uh, perspective now, but um, he started to play and someone had unplugged the amplifier his amplifier. So I kicked in with vocals or maybe I was just about to and the drum started and the bass started and Luke was there just like no nothing was coming out. And you know, 15 year old us, like Luke was 15 too. Our bassist was a little bit older and then our drummer was like 12. Um, he was just, you know, he freaked out and he just had to ask us to stop. Like he had to sort this out. He couldn't like, we couldn't, he was playing like the main guitar part as well. So I was, I was just playing rhythm at that point. And yeah, I just, I was so annoyed initially, but after walking out on stage, realizing it wasn't going to hurt me and then getting up and then having like the embarrassing moment of this thing, not working in front of hundreds, hundreds of people, like it might even be an, been a thousand people. Um, it just, it made 
everything drain away, like every ounce of nerves drain away. And someone came up and helped, like one of the lovely uh, people who was organizing the event and one of the staff, one of the adults, came up, plugged the guitar in. We made a joke about it, or I did, uh, down the microphone. And then we just restarted and that was great. And But like having that awkward moment where you're just standing around, someone's coming to help and you're just like, oh, I have no stage presence whatsoever. So anyway, after that event, I realized technically it doesn't hurt you. Stage fright is like you're nervous because you care and it's just a way of like funneling those nerves into your performance and making sure that it doesn't ruin the performance, obviously, because you've been rehearsing, practicing, spending time working on this material. So stage fright is... (sighs) you know, it's debilitating to some people and it stops people getting up and doing their thing and showing their craft and showing everything that they work hard to do. And the best way to try and get over it, and I know that to some people it's just something they'll never be able to get over and I completely understand that. But but what I found was that you care so much about what you're doing, but really you kind of have to not care and you just kind of have to... You just have to be like, this is who I am. This is where I am right now. This is this is the best I can do. So just, you kind of have to own it. And you care so much because you want to do this thing. So nerves build up and then they can ruin your performance too. But really, when people are looking at you, and I've had this realization recently when I was an audience member at a gig, a Joey Landreth gig, in fact. You're you're thinking about it, like you're hyper thinking about it. You are on stage in front of these people. You are delivering something that you've learned off by heart. You're playing guitar or you're doing so many things and there's so much to worry about. But really, the audience are thinking about them. Like, yeah, they are looking at you. Yes, they're listening. But they're really thinking about what's going on in their day. So when you take the power out of it and you stop thinking about whether or not they're judging you, whether or not they're thinking you're good or bad, it doesn't really matter what they think because you're being really strong and powerful by getting up on stage, bearing your soul, uh, doing something you've spent hours and hours working away at and you're doing it for their entertainment. And so when you take the power out of them and you, you know, it's kind of like that traditional thing of uh, imagining the audience in their underwear. Like you have to take them out of their powerful stance of them collectively looking at you. And you kind of have to just sort of, I hope this is like getting somewhere, but yeah, you just kind of have to, you do have to feel comfortable enough um, in front of them. And you have to realize that all eyes are on you or not, and probably one of the best ways to get over stage fright is to play a pub gig where everyone talks over you and you're just battling to be heard. Because again, it's just, it just distracts you. So stage fright is, yeah, it is what it is. But really, at this Joey Landreth gig, I realised that I'd been going through a, a weird time in my life and I'd just got back from this trip of broad and I was just stood there consuming this music that I absolutely adored like Joey Landreth's latest record Hindsight is one of the most 
beautiful pieces of work I have heard in a really, really long time. The songwriting is extraordinary. The lyrics are heart-wrenchingly heartbreaking. His voice is divine. You know his style of, like, if you haven't heard Joey Landreth in general, like, please go study him. He is someone that I am just hoping dying to work with one day um we have collaborated on a stage show like i supported him in 2017 um and then he has done a tuesday talks which we mainly talked about songwriting but anyway i was stood there and he was delivering this heartfelt performance and i realized i was like i've been in his position i've stood up on a stage i've had lights on me i've had uh, a relatively quiet audience which does sometimes make you a bit more nervous than if they're being you know, if they're talking, because you feel like a, you can hear a pin drop and that enters into your psyche and everything. But I was watching him and I was there thinking about me. <laughs> like, I know that sounds selfish, but I wasn't thinking about what he was doing in terms of him singing in tune or um, playing to the best of his ability. I wasn't judging him. I wasn't even thinking about like the way he looked or like what he was wearing. I was thinking about me and I was thinking about what those songs mean to me. And then I started looking around at the rest of the audience and I realised that everyone in that audience was thinking about them and what this music meant to them and maybe where they were when they first heard it or maybe it's a new song and so they're just like listening to the lyrics and, you know, hearing a, a song for the first time is such an amazing experience and you get to hear so many firsts with all the new music that's coming out. But they were all thinking about them or they were thinking about the person standing next to them, who they were holding hands with, who they were sharing the evening with and who they are in love with. Someone who has, maybe they were thinking about someone who's just passed away or like, you know, it's just, they're thinking about them and their life. And Joey was delivering this performance that completely resonated um, with the whole crowd. And then you're stood there in this crowd and you're feeling part of this experience that's why people go and see live music like you want to feel the energy of hundreds of people standing next to you consuming the same thing that you're consuming but the important thing to remember as the performer is that it's not about you like now I I haven't gigged in a while I gigged uh for the first time in almost a year in February and I got stage fright again. I got nerves. I got I, I got it all back again. And it's nice to feel it again, actually, because you can become a bit jaded. And if you're not consciously thinking about your performance, you just go up and you just, you know, again, no matter what's happened in your day, you think about it and you're like, oh, I've got to go up on stage. And I have felt that because I've been playing like the wrong material, not necessarily my shows, but like playing session for someone else or, or doing cover gigs like there are other things going on in your day and you just have to kind of channel those into your performance and bring yourself back down to earth to be standing in those shoes on stage delivering something that is not for you, it's for them. It's for your audience. And it's one of the best things to realise as an artist is like once you take the power out of you doing it for yourself and you start doing it for other people, not for one specific person, not to impress one specific person because... That's that's also comes with its problems. But when you start realizing that you are doing it to contribute something to this earth, like you are being creative to to leave something behind, to leave a legacy of art and art and culture, you know, 
so so important to making us human and you know making us these crazy you know this we're just like we're on this earth and we're human and we can make music and it's just crazy like when you think about what humans are it's just insane and like how imaginative we can be and how we tell each other stories through so many different mediums and anyway I'm totally going on a tangent but really once you get that and once you start feeling that and use it as a level of comfort one trick when when you if you are feeling too comfortable then actually you need to make yourself feel a little bit uncomfortable so that's when you are going to create something great when you're going out of your comfort zone if it's easy then you're doing something wrong like I found uh I went on a tour with a comedian uh in 2013 and we did 25 shows and it was such a great experience we were touring all around England um there was sort of like it was usually like two and three shows at a time and then we'd have a little break and because like comedy's a bit different to um musicians being on the road because like it's just an individual anyway I was driving this guy uh to gigs sometimes and um sometimes he'd drive me and then I'd just do an original music support slot and then I would uh introduce him and then I would accompany him for a comedy song like it was a really strange tour but a really really good um uh entry into touring being a musician but at the beginning of the show I was so nervous I was shaking before the first show and then by the last show of the tour I remember it being in London I remember getting my stage time I had I always had like nice backstage area I was completely spoiled I had a nice little backstage area and I was watching something on Netflix and I got the knock and they were like two minutes ago I turned off Netflix and this was the last show turned off Netflix and then tuned my guitar up, walked on stage, did the set, came off and resumed what I was watching on Netflix because I was playing to the wrong crowd, but I was also like super rehearsed. I knew my set down to a T and I realised I just got really, really comfortable. I got really comfortable. I wasn't playing any new material. I wasn't really writing any songs whilst I was doing this tour. And I realised the importance of realising when you need to stop and take a break and get those nerves back because having the nerves really makes the performance so you have to remember that like that is the best bit about performing it's the adrenaline um so as a solo musician I'm so sorry this has taken so long as a solo musician yes you are more vulnerable yes people can hear more obviously if you make a mistake but do you know what? So what? Like, if you make a mistake, that's the whole point of live music. If they want to hear something polished and perfect, they'll listen to the record. Live music is literally you forming a connection with your audience, realising it's not about you, it's about them, it's about their experience, about what they what they want to see. And, you know, actually, as a solo musician, you have more... Um, you, you, can, you can do things. Like, if, you, if you're not... If you're not stood there with a band who you know you have to communicate with if you're going to make a change you kind of have to like tell them you're going to make a change whereas whereas when you're a solo artist you can you can extend that like if something's working you can extend it if you've got a loop pedal in front of you you can do a loop and you could do a solo over yourself and you don't have to answer to anyone but yourself um 
And that's kind of what I loved about being a solo artist. And actually, I think, you know, one of the biggest singer songwriters in this planet right now is Ed Sheeran. And he still performs solo every night, even though he's doing stadiums. And he I think he has admitted that it's because he likes the freedom, but also he's scared of playing with other musicians because he's a different type of musician. Like he's I think he might possibly and I am taking this you know kind of out of context but like I think he's probably intimidated by other musicians and it's just not comfortable for him um but he also puts himself on edge by being solo in front of you know 80,000 people and having to keep that show alive so I'm sure he uh I'm sure he's pretty comfortable right now but like I'm sure there are ways that he challenges himself but yeah, it's great to rely on other musicians and it's great to have some camaraderie and go go on stage with a band and, you know, do you know what? And when you do make a mistake or one of you makes a mistake, you can laugh about it. And that's the important thing. It's like, don't get mad. Like everyone, everyone's going through their own little experience and you are all just trying to give the best performance you can give, but we're human and it's a live show for a reason. So, um... I hope that kind of answers everything uh, when it comes to a connection with a crowd like you just want to you just want to feel them feel their energy and look them in the eye um, I often find myself closing my eyes now and I have to remind myself I have to be like no open your eyes look at people sing to people like make them nervous like literally pick out one person in that crowd and sing to them and be brave and like own everything you're saying everything you're playing if you make a mistake don't don't stop unless unless you know if your amp is not on or whatever and you know you're kicking off and you have to you have to stop and realize that you know like a technical mistake like that's important uh to stop and start again and just own it just be like look it was off whatever let's get on with the performance but if you make a a mistake that kind of throws you off a bit mix it up Add it again, like make the same mistake twice. No one will notice unless you make a facial expression that shows people that you made a mistake, which, you know, you kind of have to keep the illusion alive. You have to own it. You have to make your audience feel comfortable, even if you don't feel comfortable. Um, and yeah, like just really enjoy it. Like soak it up. Maybe even during the song, like step back from the microphone um, go through the chorus chords again or whatever and just stand there and feel present in those shoes of yours and just just breathe I often forget to do that and I rush my songs but if I actually stand there and when I actually you know take my own advice um breathing and taking that moment to even take a sip of your drink in between songs and to try and steady your hand, my hands often shake. Even if I'm not completely like super nervous, my hands on stage to shake and I often like end up throwing water in my face. It's a weird thing. Anyway, that's a completely different episode. <laughs> all the all the mistakes I make on stage. Um, but just breathe, really take it in, stand up straight, look people in the eye and just own it. Because you're doing something amazing. Like you're you're sharing a song with people that probably only want to listen to you and it's just exciting and even if they don't want to listen to you like all the open mic gigs I did where people would talk over play to yourself tell yourself the story maybe think about 
the lyrics while you're thinking about you while you're singing them um think about the story think about what you're trying to present and just realize if you make a mistake so what <laughs> does it matter no it doesn't does it really matter that we're all playing music to each other and you know like does anything really matter you can get probably quite existential with it but um just enjoy it it's it's really important to keep on enjoying what you're doing and I wish you all the best like that's so exciting um and honestly thank you so much for your support because um just having you know someone Alaya um has been putting up uh videos of playing playing some of my songs better than I can actually play them so do go follow her, her on Instagram and I'm hoping that other people can resonate with stage fright and being nervous and getting up on stage by yourself and um yeah thanks again thank you for listening to episode two of this podcast uh remember to send me questions voice notes uh to mary spender podcast at gmail.com and i would really really appreciate you if you go to whatever site you are listening to this podcast on and go and either follow me or subscribe or uh leave a a nice rating if you want to leave a bad rating just don't leave a rating that would be great <laughs> um leave a comment um and yeah don't forget the hidden code word on social media and like send me messages and comment under stuff with with that too um thanks for listening and i will see you next week <laughs>